0: Hello and welcome to Tech Crack, the podcast series brought to you by SyncNI. We are Northern Ireland's leading technology and business media company, and this podcast series will see us interview some of the best, brightest, and most influential thought leaders from across NI's business and tech sectors. Find out more on syncni.com or follow us across our social media channels. And enjoy! Welcome to Tech Crack with me, Neve Campbell. I've been speaking to Eimear Maguire. She's an international award-winning science communicator and a Double Irish Radio award-winning BBC presenter. She's a four-time TEDx speaker, a conference and event MC, presenter of the podcast Elementary My Dear, and a musical comedian with a sold-out Edinburgh Fringe run under her belt. Eimear is also a qualified and practising speech and language therapist. A few weeks ago, she left her role as a speech and language therapist within the NHS to pursue her musical comedy career full-time. She talks to Cinq and I about making that leap and gives advice to other people possibly thinking of making the same choice. She also gives some inspiring science and tech tips for the younger generation and explains exactly how one does get into a musical comedy and science communicator career. Yeah, in terms of like, I thought now would be a really good time to get you on because you went like full-time in terms of like pursuing your creative career. Yeah,
1: yeah, Um, yeah.
0: What in terms of like, you know, obviously the arts are suffering and global pandemic. Like, there's lots of sectors suffering at the minute. What sort of made you take that plunge now? Like, obviously, like I assume it's something you've been planning for a while. But did it take a lot of thought, or was it just one day you were like, <laughs> right, I need to do it now or never?
1: <laughs> so I mean, it was possibly a combination of both, if that's if that's possible. So. I worked. Um, I worked as a speech and language therapist um, for the NHS, and, and, I, and that's what I qualified at a university. And kind of always worked at that. But alongside that, I mean, creativity was always my thing, and I'm a musician and, and everything. And I always wanted to do something creative. Um, but I kind of, I kind of also did a degree and, and did something vocational to have something vocational there in the background, you know, because once, you know, whenever you tell people that you're creative or you're going to be a musician or you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And people, you know, always kind of think, well, great, but what's the, what's the real job? What's the day job? So I kind of, kind of did that just to satisfy that side of things. So I was full time for quite a while, you know, I was a speech therapist in a school and then I was a speech therapist with, with kids and adults full time. And, but then about two years ago, Uh, I started to get busier and busier with the creative stuff that I was doing or the emceeing or the songwriting and the comedy and things like that. So I decided to go part-time. And that, like, it was really scary because that was at a point of time for me when it was very difficult working full-time and having to say no to things. But I was also worried that if I wasn't full-time, by some kind of cruel twist of the universe, I wouldn't be offered as many things so I kind of took the big job then and that was almost scarier than leaving altogether so the thing is for the past say this time last year actually um, January last year I had a I played football had an injury at football um, and a, a bad injury in my ankle and I wasn't able to walk wasn't able to drive in my job and speech therapy is driving around about in the community to see people so I wasn't able to do that so I was off work for I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks, or something. And even when I went back, I was still crutches, couldn't walk, all that kind of thing. Couldn't do what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But see, like basically, a week maybe after I went back, <laughs> lockdown hit. Um, so I went back home, and I'd already been at home the whole year already. Um, and I was kind of sent back home to work. So whenever it came day around September, October, November, I'd already been spending the whole year at home, like most people, but with kind of an eight week head start. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking at the start of lockdown, all my stuff was canceled. And I thought, Ooh, I'm glad I didn't leave just yet. But then as things progressed, I kind of started to realize that the more time that I dedicate to my self-employed stuff, the, the more I kind of get out of it. And the, the more bookings I get and the more kind of connections I get and things like that. So it was literally just I've always planned to leave. Um, but in maybe December I kind of just woke up one morning and was like I don't know I'm um, kind of stressing myself out trying to do everything whenever I very clearly know what I want to do and I'm just being a chicken so I just need to like woman up like be brave and just take a job. so I just kind of rang my boss and said I'm leaving and and that was that and I just said like as soon as I said it out loud I'm not going to change my mind you know and of course people say you know everyone that I tell kind of reacts with a little bit of you're leaving a good job um, to, to be a comedian during a, a worldwide pandemic uh, but the thing is you know I'm just kind of being brave and, and doing what I want to do and I mean last week was my my first week self-employed and I was just flat out with stuff and I don't know if it's good luck or whatever, but just since leaving, I've just had kind of constant bookings and things, which is which is great. So it was kind of I always wanted to do it, wasn't quite brave enough. Told myself to wise up and just took a big jump, and it's going. <laughs> one weekend it's going well. So I mean, come back every six months, maybe I might be like, this is a disaster. Somebody <laughs> please give me a job. But uh, <laughs> so far, so good.
0: Oh, no, I doubt it, though. Like, you know, you're saying there, oh, it might just be good luck. I think you like, this is so cliche, whatever. but you make your own luck. And like, if you're putting yeah. that much time and effort in it, you know, and I think as well, like you said, um, obviously, like, like live in person and um, gigs and stuff are cancelled, but I'm sure you'd probably be inundated with, you know, Zoom gigs. And mm-hmm. I actually think I was talking to a girl from PwC and she said that you did their virtual, like, Christmas party. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's like, during this time especially when everyone is like like it's like whatever the 100th lockdown and it, the weather's really bad and everything's really grim you're probably your lane of work is probably needed more than ever just to cheer people
1: up hundred <laughs> percent and like i mean kind of at the start like obviously it was the in-person gigs and stuff that were cancelled but then companies kind of started to realize uh we still have to do these you know kind of entertainment things for our staff we still need to engage and we still need to do this and that um and it kind of started the online stuff for me kind of started with one company contacting me saying here what's the chances you could plan an online event for us and then another company and then you know some of the group members who might have been at at one group meeting would say here would you do something for my company and the thing is I kind of over Christmas, I was like, God, there's a lot of people getting in touch with me, asking for these online events. Maybe I should try, actually try, you know, yeah. uh, and put, put it out there. So, like, did a little leaflet, said, you know, it's was going to do these Christmas packages, called it like Christmas Quiz and Comedy. It was an hour and a half, it was for any companies, any groups. And all they had to do was get in touch and give them a date, and, you know, it could be for any number. And I put that out. I mean, maybe the last week of November and the week after, I had literally every slot imaginable booked for that week before Christmas. Like people were crying out for it, you know, and, and lots of the companies were saying to me, like we were looking for something exactly like this. And loads of them were giving me feedback and, you know, testimonials and all that saying, loads of them were saying, this is better than our actual Christmas party. And this is such good crack and, and all that kind of thing. And I think that's what people need at the minute you know and it's kind of really evolved because obviously I was doing them as that kind of corporate Christmas party but see the people who have gotten in touch since like um friendship groups last weekend I did a hen party do you know what I mean like people I mean people are just I I did a stag and hen joint as well like people are just asking me to kind of do them for everything and there's such good crack last week I did like an alcohol-free version of it um because the the event funders was like a, an alcohol awareness group um mm-hmm. and we made mocktails teals and then like we did the quiz and then we had the comedy and all this and that was a friday night and like that was the best friday night ever like it was such a such a great group so it's kind of it's very very cool like i've done ones with youth groups and teenagers and and everything so it's really catching on And the thing is i'm really shocked myself at how enjoyable it is and and like I feel like there's so many people, like you're able to really make a connection if it's if it's in a kind of party vibe because people are laid back and a lot of people are having their drinks and lots of people are dressed up for their night out, you know what I mean? So it's been it been loads and loads of fun and I would, I'd love to continue doing the online ones even whenever things are back to normality because I just, I'm really enjoying them.
0: Yeah, and it's something different. Um, I, I actually saw you, I think it was actually a couple of years ago, it was like a, like a BBC Northern Ireland social video of the Instabay song, I think. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was class. And then last year, like right before sort of lockdown, I think the last proper event I was up was the women. The women in business did like a women in tech event. Um. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you like you were honestly, you're not just saying this because I'm talking, you know, you were classic. Everyone <laughs> had the crack. And because it was such a corporate thing, you know, people thought, this might be not, not stuffy, but you know, like your normal sort of. Totally. Yeah. And it wasn't like that at all. It was so good. Um, and like, I know you sort of said yourself there, like, because I was going to ask you, you know, what would you, what would you call yourself if someone asked you, what do you do? Because you've that many sort of hats to your name. Like you're, <laughs> um, I know you said like you're a comedian, but you're uh, like an award-winning science communicator. Um, you present your own podcast, um, lots of radio shows. Um, you know, you've been like you host events, like you said, and you've been a TEDx speaker, um, how, in terms of like, just to go back to the beginning, because I think the science and tech communicator um, and like translating that into sort of music, like not just comedy, but musical comedy is quite a,
1: yeah.
0: a probably what sets you apart from from other comedians or musicians. Um, how, like, how did you get into that? Like, take me back sort of the beginning. How did you get interested in STEM? And how did you think, oh, I'm going to put this into like musical comedy?
1: Yeah, so it's all it's all um, it's all very random. That conference was one of the best conferences ever, actually. And, you know, whenever you're mentioning it, and the whole thing coming to that is um, one of the organizers had got in touch with me and said, "Look, we're doing this conference, and we want something different." So they didn't really want that super super corporate field, and um, which I think is nice. People are kind of seeing now that unique and stuff is a little bit more entertaining. So in terms of <laughs> in terms of how it all kicked off, this is the most random uh way into a career ever. So as I said, like I was a speech and language therapist. Um and I was a musician. So I've always been a musician, always wanted to be a musician. It was always kind of my area of you know it was what I was good at. Um and the other thing I was good at was uh, English writing anything, writing stories, writing scripts, whatever. Those were my skills. So then they quite naturally came together in songwriting. So songwriting kind of puts my two main skills together with the the writing of lyrics and with music as well so i kind of at school quite strongly considered uh doing music at university i was, was planning on doing music um and every time i said to people i want to do music people say oh, you want to be a music teacher you're going to be a music teacher then and i said no i don't want to be a teacher my mom my mom's a teacher but i uncle, got teachers but teacher just was not for me I could not envisage myself doing that i wanted to be a songwriter which effectively is now what i am um but people kept saying that and that really put me off because i kind of thought well if i go down that route i'm going to be that's just going to be my job that's what i'm going to have to do but there was so i didn't i didn't like that first of all but the second problem was that, like i'm a musician play guitar play piano if you know do my grades and all that kind of thing but i can't read music so and I write songs, write music, but I can't actually read music, even though, like, being to piano lessons for years and all that, it was just something I was never able to do. So that kind of put me off a little bit confidence-wise as well, because I thought, well, I'm going to do a degree in songwriting, a degree in music production or whatever, but I'm not going to be able to actually read the music. So I was kind of put off a wee bit confidence-wise too. So then I kind of just got the uni prospectus in, in Belfast, because, you know, that's where my mates were going. And I looked through, and there's so many things. I was like, nope, nope. No. Nope. And then I saw, you know, something like English, that'd be OK. I'd probably have to be an English teacher Um, music. I would like that, but might not be good enough. Might be too hard, might have to be a music teacher. And then I finally saw speech and language therapy in Ulster university. And I thought, you know, speech and language, like that sounds kind of related to English to me. And that kind of seems like you might just like play games with kids all day. And I mean, kids with lisps and, you know, might be easy. Great. So I applied for that, and then my—I mean, bear in mind—I was—I did not like science at school in any way, shape, or form. It was not for me. Um, I went into speech and language therapy, and suddenly the classes were like anatomy, neurology, linguistics, and I nearly died. I remember the first or first class that we ever went to? They gave us all this—I don't know—it was like and all, and we had to like build a brain and build all the different parts of the brain and things and I was like oh my god like I've made a terrible mistake um but the more I did it and seeing how relevant anatomy and neurology was to like the everyday and to how we communicate and all that I became really really interested and see about halfway through the course I just had this real like obsession with anatomy and neurology like I really loved it um wasn't I mean wasn't the best at it in the world but I just found it so fascinating so after I graduated and started working as a speech therapist I saw that um Queens had a brand new course that they were kind of trying out a master's course in anatomy clinical anatomy and you kind of I think you had to do like medicine or dentistry or something to get in but I was like if you don't ask you don't get so I'd sent a wee message and just said here like what's crack with this any chance you'd like you'd let me in if I did a better work experience and all this so they let me in, and it was just amazing. It was so fascinating, as you know, all about anatomy, all about evolution, all about all those things, and I really, really fell in love with it. And from there, I was kind of like chilling on on Twitter one day <laughs> when I probably should have been studying. And uh, I I saw this competition called Fame Lab, and it was like, could you, could you. Uh, explain a scientific concept in three minutes and you have to be clear and charismatic and have good content and bearing in mind that I was really into like writing content and all that kind of thing and being a communicator I thought I'd love to give that a go but the problem was I didn't have any confidence with the actual public speaking but I was pretty shy with that kind of thing um but I just thought well I'll give it a go anyway and I entered this competition you had to send a send a video one of you talking for three minutes. So I, I did and I talked about kind of my, my dissertation from a master's topic and um about apes and humans and communication and that kind of thing. But you had to send them a video entry and I i kept putting it off. I'd written what I thought was a brilliant script, but I couldn't actually bring myself to record myself on camera doing this talk. So kind of put it off, put it off, put it off. Uh and then it was due very cruelly at midnight uh on New Year's Eve. My so God. I was a I know, isn't that cruel? Like, I just feel like that is ridiculous. Like, I can't, like, I, I find that really hard to believe. The screen just deadlined. I know, I just thought that was so weird. So it was June And I was at a party on New Year's Eve, and I was like, oh, God, like, I've written the script, written the script, and Maybe she just uh, at this party, like maybe she just go upstairs quickly, record my phone and send it. And I was like, no, no, no. But then I had a few drinks. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I could do this, no problem. So went up and uh, recorded the Wee video, sent it off, forgot, clean forgot about it. And then weeks later, got this I can't remember if it was an email or call, but it was basically like, right, you're through to the Northern Ireland final, this Lab thing, you have to come to the Black Box in Belfast on this day. There's going to be an audience. You're going to do a new talk and then it's going to be a competition. And I was like, what have I done? This is horrendous. And I, and I went to, um, they give you like a masterclass, communication masterclass as part of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a brilliant masterclass, but I hated every minute of it because you had to stand up front of people and do all, I was so embarrassed, so mortified, like me and all these men, and they're all much older than me. And I was absolutely down, but I turned up in the night anyway, and they drew the straws or whatever. And I was up first i was like i can't get up on that stage um but i was kind of gently encouraged and i got up and i did my talk and i talked about the science of kissing because i kind of thought well that's the science i want to hear about like that's funny and it's interesting so that was grand and then like everybody else got up and like one guy got up and like worked in, in queens and physics was a lecture and started talking about quantum physics or something one of the consultants from the royal got up and told this really like beautiful devastating story i think it was about this little boy had cancer all these different and then i had talked about the science of kissing so i was like i've missed the mark i am absolutely mortified this is so embarrassing i'm never leaving the house um and then it was it like turned out well because i won um And then when I was on stage, like getting the prize or whatever, they were like, oh, so now we're really proud that you're going to go represent Northern Ireland in the UK final. And I was like, sorry, excuse me, (laughs) what? I wasn't (laughs) told about that. And everybody was clapping. They were like, Emir's now going to head to London. She's going to compete against, you know, Oxford. And she's going to compete against Scotland and against all. And I was like, uh, this was not, this was not made clear. So that was grand. And then I had to go to the UK final. And all the while, it was kind of growing in confidence and stuff, but still terrified. And I did that and I won the UK one and then had to go like to all these different levels and like the world semi-finals and the world final, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I won my world semi-final too, didn't win the world final, but it did really well. And I was just like, this is hilarious. Um, because I am not a natural public speaker or a natural, you know, kind of public performer. Um, and as part of my talks, I started to write these science songs. Mm-hmm. uh and they were just kind of about like the science of kissing the science of love trying to fit the message into song to make it more palatable and more interesting and then you know people started saying oh, i love those comedy songs that you do and people started call me comedian and I was very resistant to being called a comedian because I don't want people to think that I thought I was funny <laughs> um <laughs> which is just ridiculous I was like no no and I remember this guy came up to me and he's like um I recommended you for the, for some gig or whatever and you know told them you're a comedian and all that. and I was like I'm not a comedian I'm not a comedian and he was like but you are a comedian like you sing comedy songs and make people laugh and I was like Oh yeah, actually, maybe that, maybe it is okay to to say I'm a comedian. So my my science songs kind of slowly morphed into, I still do science songs, but the more people asked me to do normal gigs in the uh, very quote marks, um, I started to write comedy songs just about like my life and about observations i would made and all this kind of thing. And I was suddenly a musical comedian, a reluctant musical comedian. (laughs) And and I was kind of, doing comedy gigs and I mean a lot of the stuff I do is like corporate stuff and you know host stuff and MC stuff but when I'm doing that people tend to ask me to have you know a little break in the middle for the comedy song so I, I've kind of had this really random happy accident of a route into this career um, and I'm, I'm probably a very unusual person to do it because I started off really shy um I like I was the kind of don't ask me a question in class kind of person. Like I'm not I'm not answering. I'm just gonna sit here and either make jokes or be quiet. Do you know what I mean? Like um so like this is very random for me that I'm doing it. But now that I am doing it, I realized that the, the only thing was kind of missing for me was the confidence because I mean I, I'm good at what I do, so I just had to learn to be a little bit more confident in things. But yeah, it was a very random journey to to where I am at the minute
0: (laughs) but it's really cool I think too because I think um like you know yourself in school your journey is kind of similar to mine and that like I always wanted to do English and then it was like oh you're going to be an English Uh teacher and I was like well I wanted to be like I wanted to work in the media or be a journalist and then it's like but no one ever says that there's jobs in that or they never talk about like your school like like careers advisors never talk about like yeah you're good at English or you'll be a lawyer or a teacher um yes (laughs) But I think it's cool that you, because I wasn't good at science or maths, but you've combined like STEM and science and tech with, you know, the arts and creativity. And I think that's good for showing kids that, you know, you're very often like segregated into the two boxes in school. You know, you're like logical thinking and problem solving. Like, oh, you're good at STEM or you're like creative and you like writing, it's like, oh, you're good at English. But I think that like, you've done a really good job in combining the two, like, would you find that? Because I know you do, um, like over lockdown, you did the afternoon club videos with BBC, you know, like educating kids. Do you find that you get that um, in feedback from like kids and parents?
1: Yeah, I, I think generally taking a more creative look at it is really beneficial because say, for example, I know science communication wise, I would appeal to the child version of me yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of the reason that I was not interested in science was how it was presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, obviously, teachers have to present the curriculum how it is. And, you know, I went to a super academic school, and that style of science just wasn't for me. But had somebody got up and, like, sang a comedy song about it, or even you're saying there, the afternoon club, like a lot of that, when I write at the afternoon club, you know, I, I don't, apart from speech therapy, generally with the science communication stuff I don't tend to work with kids I, I tend to more work with adults and mm-hmm. um, but I thought it was a good opportunity so instead of just sitting like I was like these are going to be young kids it's maybe it's going to be a challenge to kind of do science with them if it's just me sitting talking to them so I had a real focus on the creative side so say for example I talked to them about the science of music and we you know, on camera, I, I made these drums and then they made them at home, but I, I really it was talking about the science um, or, or I talked about, you know, the, the science of rocket ships. And we made a rocket ship that kind of exploded into the sky. And um, I mean, if, if I had a done that in school, I would have been like, this is cool. Do you know what I mean? Whereas instead of just getting a lecture on, on theory for, for quite a while. But I have had good feedback from parents, particularly for for doing those videos. Um, loads of parents sending their, their kids pictures of all the stuff that they'd made, um, which I always think is good because if if the kid is sitting there and they're making the rockets, they're making the drums, they're making, you know, water dilaphone, whatever else we did, like. They're, they're hearing all the science, you know, they're, they're sitting there hearing all that while they're being creative. And I think it's it's a really important thing to kind of marry those two things, particularly for kids who maybe are a little bit more on the creative side, just to show them that like science is creative. People think science is really rigid. Um, but I mean, to me, playing the piano is, is patterns. It just happens to be like beautiful patterns. And I, I don't really see... How science is is any different as well it's it's patterns as well and, and sometimes those patterns are, are very very pretty so i think there's nothing wrong with combining the two and kind of really emphasizing that there is a creativity in science and i think particularly for kids that can be a really really good hook for them uh because i mean no kid wants to sit and listen to a lecture for an hour do so you know what i mean I, I i definitely wouldn't
0: i don't think many adults do either
1: <laughs> no way no way. I, I I mean they went to so many I've been to obviously so many conferences and things now, and a lot of times a lot of times they put me on last because I'm kind of you know seen as the more light-hearted version and I'll be doing music and I'll be doing this. But sometimes some of the talk I mean that means I'll have to sit for a whole day of talks, and some of them are amazing, but some of them there's, I mean they're long and they're they're very dry, and you can tell a person's really intelligent, but I'm just like just give me something creative to kind of hook onto here and I'll be able to pay attention so much better. And the thing is, once you have someone's attention, it's much easier to teach them or to have them enjoy what you're talking about. It's very, very difficult to get someone to engage and enjoy what you're talking about if they're bored out of their head. You know what I mean? So I think a little bit of a focus on the on, on creative people and particularly creative kids would be great to try and kind of push stem a little bit more
0: yeah 100 percent. and even like you saying that um you know you had to get up and do that competition and it was quite a like because i would say like like science and and sort of stem careers are quite on or quite like male male dominated and so so mm-hmm. is comedy um you know what i'm sure like you must have been like like you say you're really nervous but you've obviously grown in confidence just from practicing and doing it um whenever you you know you did your debut solo show um hilarious humans and you got a sellout run at the the edinburgh fringe festival yep. what what was that like like in terms of like was that like a different feeling getting up on that stage um you know like it must, it must have been like so class like talk me through how you felt like getting up the first night doing
1: that oh like it was so weird right because a lot of times i just decide to do something and that's it. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I mean, I won't, I won't back out of it. I'll just do it, no matter how scared I am. And I really think that's like a, a mechanism to help with the fact that maybe I previously wasn't the most confident, like that's the only reason I entered that Fame Lab competition in the first place. I knew the public speaking, uh, communicating in, in front of people. I knew that was a big weakness that I had. And I felt it was the major weakness as a person that I had and something that could hold me back. So I wanted to fix that. Um. So once people started saying about me being a comedian, I was like, maybe I should, you know, after a while embrace this. So I kind of saw that the Arts Council had funding coming out and it was for musicians, it was for this and that. And I was like, well, I'm a musician. Like, I happen to be a musician who writes funny songs, but I'm still a musician. So. I said to myself, what could I apply for a little bit of money for that's kind of going to push me and all this. Um, and obviously I heard people talking about Edinburgh Fringe. Like I, I've never been to the Fringe because it's not like I've grown up being like, must be a comedian. Um, so I, I didn't really know much about it, didn't know the ins and outs, but kind of looked up a little bit about it. And I was like, do you know what? Why can't I do a show at Edinburgh Fringe? Like, and I always have this thing and I'm like, well, like, why not me? like why all these other people and, and like why all these other guys like why, why can't this like we go from and like go to Edinburgh Friends and do a great comedy show um and I really think you should try and like be a bit of an example for people in terms of pushing themselves as well and showing that anybody can do anything do you know what I mean like I, I always think like I'm nobody special but I've done these things just because I've pushed myself a little bit. So I always think that's kind of a good message to, to have for people. So I applied for the funding and of course you don't hear back for that for months. So i kind of forgot about it a little bit, but I basically said to myself, if we get this funding, I'm going to go to Edinburgh Friends and I'm going to do a comedy show. I'm going to write a comedy show and it's going to be great and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And I'm going to organize it all myself. And and like, I don't have like, I don't have like a um, like, comedy manager or anything like that. So I always kind of plan everything myself. So I have no clue about marketing and <laughs> organizing a gig and booking a venue and all that. But I always think like, like it's all learning. So a few months later I got this thing being like, hey, Congratulations, you've got the funding. And I was like, you know, had this kind of failure of sick and was like, oh God, that means I have to do it now. Yeah. Um <laughs> so I kind of got this. It was great. Like I was like, I can't believe we've got this and you know this is Brilliant and I'd always applied for loads of things for music, you know, just mute normal music and, and never got any of them. So I kind of saw this as a bit of a sign that maybe this is my thing. Um, so I was like, God, I have to do it. So I started like really researching it, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, the whole time I was so nervous that I was gonna go over and I was gonna be terrible, and no one's gonna think I was funny, and you know, kind of you know, that imposter syndrome. Like, who was I to think I could go over and do show with the friends but then at the same time I'm always like but why not like you know why not so I kind of was trying to push myself and see once everything was organized it was nearly doubly scary because (laughs) I went to Wales first and so I was booked to perform at um Burning Man Festival in Wales before Edinburgh um so I went from this was this was my travel right I had a football match uh last football match of our season my two mates came and picked me up at the football match. We drove to the boat. Uh, I was in my stinky football gear. We were the last, last car on the boat. Um, we nearly missed it. Like we were there on the dot of 9 o'clock when I was leaving. Uh, we got on the boat and we, we drove from wherever it was to Wales. I played at this festival. We camped there for quite a few days. And then after that, we drove from Wales to Edinburgh. So the time I got to Edinburgh to do a show for a week, I was already like emotionally like exhausted. Um, so piling on top of that, all the nerves. So the main thing I did feel was those nerves and I would like, I would get nervous um, particularly going on stage. And I, I do kind of have this thing of, you know, like, am I a comedian? Like, you know, what if, you know, what if, if people don't think I'm funny, then that makes, you know, that I'm not a comedian and, you know, what is a comedian and all this kind of thing. So a lot of the time I was nervous, but see, after doing the first show and like the thing that makes a difference is the audience and touch wood, <laughs> I've never, I've never yet done a gig where I haven't got a good reaction from the audience. Um, and obviously i been at conferences, been at other gigs and stuff where, 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 where sometimes or a lot of times like, people don't get the laugh or they're supposed to get the laugh or they don't, or it can be a wee bit awkward. I am so, so thankful that that has never happened to me or I've never died on stage, but it's nearly like I'm always waiting for that (laughs) to happen. Um, But after that first gig and the audience were so nice and so warm, it was just fantastic. And before before I had it, I had this real anxiety that I was going to Edinburgh. I mean, in Belfast, nobody had heard of me. So 100% nobody in Edinburgh was going to have heard of me. (laughs) Nobody was going to come. I had these visions that, I was going to be in the room on my own and I'd said to my friends, like a couple of my friends came over with me and I said to them, guys, like, honestly, if, if I, if I go in to do my show and there is no one there, but one of you, like, I mean, do I not, do I just not do it? Do I just wait until tomorrow? Do, so like, those are real genuine fears for me and I kind of just had this real anxiety about playing to this empty room. Um, And I know loads of people will be be fine with that, but I think that would really impact my confidence, even though it wouldn't really mean anything more than nobody in Edinburgh has heard of you, because of course they hadn't, but it just had some kind of thing with me. But it was great. And I mean, (laughs) every day was sold out. And I mean, the audience were amazing and lovely and I had such a mix. But the thing that made a big difference to me as well was before I went, I had my first big official solo comedy show as a preview in the black box in Belfast. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, as I say, like nobody really knew about me. Nobody had heard of me or anything, but see what I put, I mean, I'd organized it and, and the, the show was two and a half weeks later and the tickets for it sold out. It was supposed to be just in the, the wee small room, the black box for 50 people. And I kept thinking, I mean, I don't, I don't have 50 friends. Like nobody is going to come to this show and this is going to be awful. And I'm not going to know which jokes work and which jokes don't cause it's basically a practice. It sold out super super quick pretty instantly and then they moved me to the big room which is maybe 170 or something like that and then i was like oh god it's gonna be so awkward there's gonna be no one in this room and it sold out really quick as well and i mean the, the people that organized were telling me that they were getting phone calls people looking for for tickets and has anybody given up their ticket blah 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 so that probably helped you know w- with my confidence and and that preview show was a, a really big success for me in terms of working out what was funny, what I could maybe give a miss, what people really reacted to. Um, and and that was my probably my debut into doing solo comedy stuff at my own show, not just turning up for 10 minutes at a comedy night and doing something there. So all those things, but I kind of feel, once I have about five minutes to go on a show, I am like, yes, confident, great, love it. See what I'm just see see just before you go on the stage, I am like, oh, I'm nervous. (laughs) You know, (laughs) which probably isn't isn't great here, but I think I think that's um, I think that's quite normal, especially if you're if you're going into a room of people that you don't know, and I mean a lot of it's based on them needing to like you enough to laugh, you know, and your stuff needs to be funny so that they laugh. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of a lot of pressure you're, you're kind of going into a room hoping that however many hundred people in it happen to like your personality um which is is a difficult thing to do so yeah
0: it <laughs> is the, like even there like you know you're saying oh it's probably not a good thing to hear no i think it is good that you're nervous because like if you're nervous like it means you care do you know sort of way so you know oh, totally. put, a, put a hundred percent in it um yeah but, like, yeah, no, I was just asking awesome as well because, like, I, I'm personally really into like comedians and, and stand up comics and stuff. And I've always like read, um, you know, like big comedians like, um, yeah. like Ramesh Rang and Nathan and Frankie Boyle and stuff. And they're like, they've got oh, yes. their asses and they've been in bars. Oh, it's been just full of like owl boys sitting on bar stools drinking and they're just basically telling their jokes to their backs and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is class. But, like, the fact that, and then I think as well because Belfast and Northern Ireland is just such a small place in general um like I know obviously when you're starting out like you're saying like no one had heard of you but I think word of mouth here is such a big thing and um yeah like there's so many people I'm talking to and they're just like oh yeah um like this girl she like did our company thing or she's at some conference and um like she does like funny jokes about like science and insta so I'm like oh yeah, it's <laughs> so I think so many people are oh. Are
1: now. <laughs> oh that's good
0: <laughs> but, um what like would you have any advice for you know any like sort of like cre- creative or like people wanting to be comedians starting out like the way you were or people that are even, um, because obviously like you have the science and tech background that helped you stand out. And then obviously the musical side as well, um, you know, in terms of of people maybe thinking that they, that they have talents or quirks like that, that they wouldn't think that they could transfer into like a creative career, if you know what I mean. Like, would you have any advice for anyone starting out or who are looking to take the plunge into going full-time at a career yeah. um like you did like last week
1: <laughs> um yeah I honestly think like a lot of people growing up and things like people would have always, you know commented oh, oh you're quirky or oh and I'm always like <laughs> they totally mean like weird and slightly alternative um, and <laughs> you know people would have always said to me oh you're so quirky and Oh, you've got a different style you know i always think you know people seemed very obsessed with the facts that the fact that i like to you know before it was um before it was a thing right at the minute that i always just wore shirts and skinny jeans and and all that kind of thing and, and people just saw that as different which i think is the weirdest thing ever so i always thought like oh god people think i'm weird whereas now so many people book me and will say in their first email to me or their first phone call yeah, we were looking for something different this year. Um, yeah, we wanted we wanted something a bit more alternative. We wanted something a bit killer. We didn't want the standard conference. We didn't want this. We didn't want that. We didn't want you know we didn't want the typical Belfast comment. Whatever it might be, a lot of people who booked me make that comment, and I see that as a compliment. Um, so I think if you are if you have a niche or you are in any way quirky or different, like don't see that as a bad thing. I mean, when I turn up to do comedy at the comedy gigs in Belfast. And um, there's, there's, there are loads of, loads of comedians in Belfast, loads of, loads of boys, loads of girls. But a lot of times when I was going to the comedy nights, there were loads of boys. So I probably did seem different, but I was never kind of put off by that because I feel like I've, I've had a lifetime of, Oh, you're a bit different. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I do think anybody that is slightly different in any way, don't let that put you off because I really think it helps you stand out. And I think the more, you are yourself the more kind of authentic you'll come across like I could not imagine like getting up on a stage in like some I don't know a co- cocktail dress and like being overly formal like could you imagine me at that tech conference I was in like a green suit like cracking jokes like I couldn't imagine getting up and doing a very kind of set scripted thing so I do think being yourself counts for an awful awful lot and um, and I also think like if you if you have like talent or a weird talent or a niche like niche is great um because obviously even doing science communication is niche uh being being a, a, a girl doing science communication is niche being a girl doing comedy is niche being a girl doing science communication mixed with musical comedy is super niche <laughs> and a lot of times that is what people book me based on like you would be like your mind would be blown the amount of weird wonderful events that are out there that will kind of cater to your niche so I I think those things be yourself don't be afraid of having a niche and also push yourself like if there's something that you feel that you are not strong at I I'm a big advocate for pushing yourself that is literally the only reason I have my current career because I pushed myself to try and do public speaking because I was weak at it and always kind of if any opportunities come your way in terms of development for yourself just take them because you never know where it could kind of lead you like i mean even just as an example over lockdown whenever everything kind of stopped for me from a gigs point of view um i decided well what can do you could do more training could do more education and obviously being a performer and an mc there's kind of a lot of business that comes with that behind the scenes and i have no background in business so i mean i i went to uni and did like a post-grad certificate in business at the same time to try and kind of push myself a wee bit more and try and improve in some areas that I wasn't that strong at so I think if you're always trying to develop yourself in, in, in areas that you think you could possibly be stronger at then that's good as well but also and I probably would have told myself this can you hear that ambulance?
0: Yeah, you're okay. I can cut it out. Don't worry. Keep her lit.
1: <laughs> I'll just stop there for a second. Welcome to Belfast. Um, I think if you kind of uh, just do those things to be yourself, but also, and I know this is slightly hypocritical, me saying this, but be confident in yourself probably a little bit sooner than I was. Um, and I mean, I always had this quiet confidence that I knew I could do things but just not in front of other people you know Um, and I think if you're able to translate that to in front of in front of people and know that if there's an audience or or whatever it might be people are generally unless they're horrible people are willing you to do well and people generally are nice and and people want to see you succeed and want to see you do well so I think a mix of those things but But the main things for me is be confident, be yourself, push yourself, develop as much as you can. And you said at the start, like, you know, you really make your own luck. Like, I I honestly believe in that. Like, I know, like people say at the minute I'm a comedian, like, I work constantly. Like, comedy is a very, very small part of what I do. I'm always... Kind of doing events for groups if i'm not doing comedy i'm doing communication training if i'm if i'm not doing that I'm, I'm writing custom theme songs for like radio and podcasts and all that and that's all kind of working with people and making connections and i think the more people you work with is good for your career but it's also massively good for your confidence as well so all those things would kind of be the advice that i'd give someone who wants to have a kind of career as, as random as as mine <laughs>
0: No that's class anymore I like the whole you know push off and just keep doing things sort of um like the way I just think about it like say yes and then think about it when it comes
1: <laughs> that's that's generally the thing like I honestly like i went I went back to my undergraduate uni um a, a couple of times they asked me to come back and like talk to the students and stuff and like one of my lectures was about say saying yes I mean Within context. Yeah. You um, <laughs> always have to give that caveat. Uh, they're like, Emer told me to do this. Um, but like, say yes, see any opportunities. I think if, if, if there's a chance that it's going to kind of develop you in any way, um, say yes. And as you say, think about it later. There's so many events that um, maybe not now, but at the start, I would have been terrified about. Uh, but once you've said yes, you have to do it. Um, and I think pushing yourself to do things is only going to make you a, a better person personally, but also professionally. I always think if I hadn't pushed myself on that New Year's Eve night to do that video, I would have a massive kind of gap and hole in the, in the part of my character that's related to um, confidence and, and being able to speak in public. So I really, really think that's a, that's a really important thing to do if, you've, if you kind of have a similar mindset to, to myself.
0: Ah, or, and then obviously like I know no one knows what the future holds right now in, in a COVID world um, but would you um, like any time in the future be hoping to well have you any sort of plans set in place like maybe not set in stone but for doing more solo comedy shows or you know anything like that?
1: Um. Yeah I do actually uh, so I'm gonna I'll be. I mean, whenever COVID's over, hopefully I'll be doing loads of shows. I think the first show I'll be like, I'll be like a nervous wreck. I feel like all myself and all my fellow comedians will be like, what's this a stage? Like, what are, what are these people? Um, it'll be bizarre. But I, but I do. I'm doing am doing a really big, uh, comedy gig that everybody should definitely one hundred percent come to, uh, in the Ulster Hall in October. So, sixteenth of, of of October. Um, I'm doing like a brand new stand up solo show. And I just, I mean, I think it's bizarre and amazing that I'm playing the Ulster hall whenever kind of, I think this time, two years ago, I had my first kind of official mini 10 minute comedy gig. Um, so yeah, people should definitely come to that because I'm I'm hoping we'll be, we'll be out of this by then. And it's something to look forward to. And I'm kind of nervous about it, but also excited, just to be in the company of a, of an audience again, you know,
0: Unreal! I know you could probably get on stage and not even do anything. People will just laugh and have the crack along because they'll be so glad <laughs> to be out. As well
1: as my plan, Neve? I'm like, I'm gonna provide some low quality comedy because people <laughs> have had nothing for months, and they'll find it funny. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it'll be honestly hoping it'll be like a big party. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and really? at, at, totally at my gigs. I mean, I've never seen such a mix of an audience. Um. Like, uh, young couples, groups of girls, middle-aged couples, middle-aged groups of women on their own, couple of blo- like couple of guys, you know. I mean, my audience is so mixed that if, this is a weird thing to say, but at one of my gigs, particularly in Belfast, it nearly feels like you're, and everybody's having a drink and stuff, it feels like you're at a big family party, do you know what I mean? Because there's such a mix of people, and kind of, once we've kind of had a bit of time to, to settle into the gig and stuff, everybody's just you know, having a, a good old kind of Northern Ireland style laugh and a take the hand and everything. So I'm hoping it's going to, I'm hoping it's going to be like the big party that we've all missed all these months.
0: I think it will be. it will be even probably even bigger and better than than before. I think everyone will just be like, it's so I think it's so nice and in the comedy clubs and stuff too. And, and especially to Ulster Hall, it's just such a good vibe. Like just like to be around so many other people and hear other people laughing other than yourself yeah. or the person you have been living with for like the last year. <laughs>
1: I, try, I know driving you mad like you stop breathing so loud I know I'm hoping it's uh I'm hoping it's going to be be quite different and, and just be and I mean I'm hoping that we'll kind of have COVID in the rear mirror by that point you know I
0: know hopefully
1: hopefully
0: Eamir thank you so much
1: no problem thank you for having me
0: that's it for this week's episode of TechCrack for all things tech and business in Northern Ireland visit SyncNI.com have a good week